This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Senator Cory Booker, who has just uh, departed from the presidential race, broke onto the national scene by beating the political machine to become mayor of Newark, New Jersey. His presidential campaign, his failed presidential campaign, I guess we have to say, puzzled many school choice supporters. They sort of expected he would embrace the education reforms that he had instituted in Newark, including the introduction of a wide variety of charter schools. Uh, But during the course of his campaign, he he almost uh, denounced the reform he had helped to found. And that led some people to suspect that maybe those Newark charter schools were not all that good. And in fact, there's talk of shutting down some of them right now. Or what is going on here? Was, was, was Senator Booker just uh, being pressured by the teacher unions to, to oppose charters? Because we know that there's a nationwide campaign against charters by the teacher unions in the United States. So a just-released study of newer charter schools uh, by Marcus Winters, associate professor at Boston University and senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, has shed some light on this puzzle. And I'm very pleased to have Marcus Winters with me on the Education Exchange today. Thank you for joining me, Marcus. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Marcus, uh, we're going to dig into this uh, research and all the ways you, uh, Doug, you know, gathered this information. But first of all, why don't you just share with our listeners the bottom line bumper sticker version of uh, your your findings? Yeah, so the the bottom line bumper sticker version of the, of the findings is that um, on average, uh, charter schools in Newark, um, and and I'm looking at uh, schools that participated in the city's common enrollment system, which makes up the the large majority of schools um, and and includes the, the large majority of students, uh, charter school students. Um, on average, students attending a charter school did you know significantly and substantially better uh, in math and reading um, than they would have had they gone to a traditional public school. Um, I also show that um, the largest effects come from students who uh, enrolled in one of uh, enrolled in schools operated by one of two networks, either KIPP or Uncommon, um, which are large um, charter school national charter school networks. Um, and that schools that uh, school students that attended other uh, charter schools not operated by them, um, on average, did not make uh, significant gains uh, in their test score relative to public school students, though my suspicion is that that masks some variation in the performance of those schools. Well, so for how long were you able to follow these students? Is this just a one-year effect, or is it a longer-term effect? What's the, what's the trend, uh, the pattern that you are able to track? So I, I can follow two cohorts of students who entered into charter schools for a period of uh, a maximum of three years. Um, you know, during that period, I lose some students who kind of you know leave the data for a variety of reasons, including they uh, the the biggest reason being that they kind of move into an untested grade. Um, but but overall, I can follow two cohort, two cohorts for uh, a three year period. And so do you find the same effects over the three years, or do you find them growing over time? What's the, what's the trend with, within the, from one year to the next? So I, 
I see a, an effect that shows up in year one and is kind of maintained for those students over time. Um, so um, it, it's hard to make an apples-to-apples apples comparison of it over time and see kind of how much it's growing for individual students. But three years later, uh, I'm still seeing a, a large and significant effect um, from attending these schools. But still, you don't show a, a steady increase from year to year. And sort of intuitively, I would have thought if I'm sending my child to a good school, I'm going to see the benefits of that grow with every year they're in that school, and you're not showing that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, when you get to the third year, the, 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 some of the estimates get a little noisier. Um, but, but, yes, I think that's right. Like, there's not kind of a, a clear story of kind of growth um, substantially, um, you know, from one year to the next. Now, like, that could be coming from, from a, a variety of places. But, but you're right. We see kind of this, this large increase that, that is, is kind of maintained for students um, as we look at them across time. No, I know that's outside your study, but do you have any speculation on that? I mean, I, all, your study findings remind me of the old class I study coming out of Tennessee, which found big effects in first grade and no bigger effects by third grade. It was, they kept it, they maintained it, but it didn't increase. So uh, it's not the first time somebody's encountered this. So what do you think is the reason for that? Yeah, I don't have a really good story kind of speculative on why that is. I'll say that it's not dramatically different than what we've seen in some other places. So um, thinking about the uh, the study of KIPP by Josh Angrist and his team, for instance, I mean, they see a pretty similar result there. Um, and uh, some other studies don't look at the data in the same way. They kind of uh, they, they, they model, like, the years that students attend charters and, and have that as its own estimate, um, where, where I kind of model it as, as like, um, as one year and then the next effect. Um, so I, I don't think that the result is dramatically different from what we've seen in other places. Um, I, I, I don't have a, a great story in mind for, for, for why the nature of the effect looks this way. So um, still you say these are large effects, so maybe you could help our listeners understand just what you mean by large effects. What, what's, what's the uh, reason you use that word? So the reason I use that word, so I'm using um, uh, Matt Kraft has a Matt Kraft has a uh, uh, a recent paper where he kind of separates out between um, in education studies what can we think of as a a small, medium, and large effect, and and his the way that he does it is he bases it on um, what we've seen from research of um, uh, interventions in education that have been studied um, using experiments, um, and so the my findings fit into that large category. Category. Um, so it's about so uh, three years in uh, on average from attending a participating charter school, I'm seeing effect sizes of uh, of getting close to about 0.3 standard deviations improvement um, for the students attending attending uh, who are, who enrolled in a charter school, um, and that is you know on the order of about um, the, it, it is as large as or larger than about 80% of, of prior educational interventions that have been studied experimentally. So I, I'm using it as kind of a, a relative measure, um, you know, following Matt's work. Um, so it's, it's large in the sense that it's, it's larger than what we see from, from most other interventions in education. Is that about a year's worth of learning if you were going to translate standard deviations into something an ordinary person can understand? What do you say they're learning about one year more than they would otherwise? or is that not fair? 
Um, I don't think that I can really translate it that way, and it's tricky. So this is a, so this is a constant problem, right? Is how to, how do we put uh, the magnitude in context? Um, I've you know some others. Um, so uh, Credo, for instance, will turn this into kind of a, a days of learning measure. I've I, I find that useful, but um, has always made kind of more assumptions uh, about uh, about this, the the way that that effect works that, that I've ever been really comfortable with. Um, it's I can say that it is it's larger than than what we see from from typical education interventions. These, these are the, the size of the, the effect size of this magnitude are, are when we start getting excited. So um, now you're comparing these uh, charter school students to students who are in the public schools, but everybody is concerned that your comparison be a fair one. So how do we know that you've got equivalent students that you're comparing here when you say that there's a, a big impact on the learning of the charter school students? Right. So that is the, the ultimate, the fundamental problem that we deal with, you know, as researchers, you know, every day is how are we sure that we're estimating, you know, the, the causal effect of, in this case, of attending a charter school and, and separating out all the other differences, you know, between charter school students and, and public school students in this case. Um, so my study is, um, is, is, Equivalent, but doesn't uh, but doesn't work in the exact same way as a randomized lottery. Um, what's different about it is that um, other so some other charter school studies that take advantage of randomized lotteries, um, they they will get information from individual charter schools that are oversubscribed, and each of those charter schools have a lottery. Um, and if you win that lottery, you are offered a charter school seat, and if you lose it, um, you're not offered a charter school seat. And the advantage of that is that if the flip of a coin determines whether you in Role, uh, are offered a charter school seat. Um, we know that it wasn't other things um, that that are related to uh, you know the students' characteristics. Um, in my case, I can't exactly do that study, that type of study, because of the way that um, Newark assigns students to schools. Um, so Newark uses a, a common enrollment system um, that uses the deferred acceptance um, algorithm to assign students. So the short version is that every year um, parents provide to parents who want their, their students to change schools provide to the central administration a preference order of schools of where they want their, their student to go or their child to go. Um, and an algorithm then assigns students to schools based, in, based on uh, their preferences, um, based on the school's preferences for students who have certain characteristics, so things like siblings in the school um, uh, would trigger a student to be a higher preference, for instance. And then also a random lottery number is used to break ties when there are, uh, you know, two students might be assigned to the same seat. Um, I'm using a, a technique developed um, by, you know, Angers and his colleague. Josh Angers and his team is, uh, Josh Angers is an economist at MIT. Um, uh, it's a team of researchers uh, at MIT and Duke have done a similar study uh, to, to evaluate charter schools in Denver. So in that study, they used, they developed a technique that, that uh, tried to uh, take advantage of the fact that some of the students are being allocated to schools on the basis of uh, a lottery or the drawing of a, a name out of a hat. And then uh, given that fact, they were able to do something like uh, the conventional uh, charter lottery. 
Yeah, correct. We can take advantage of that random component and how students were assigned. Um, I mean, the exact the mechanism itself is more complicated than the than the the you know conventional lottery study. Um, but uh, the the overall effect is that we can be really confident that we're comparing students um, who who um, are are identical uh, in every way, both in observed and unobserved characteristics. And and similar to a conventional lottery study, I show that um, using my method. Um, um, it, uh, the, the treatment and control groups um, do look identical to each other on, on observed characteristics, which is our kind of conventional test for, is this a true apples-to-apples comparison? So, but you did have uh, quite a number of charter schools who refused to participate in this common enrollment plan and therefore are outside your study. Now, how do you know that you just didn't study the best charter schools in Newark, and what you're saying isn't really representative of all the charter schools in in Newark. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, not all charter schools had to participate in the in this common enrollment system. All public schools did have to participate, and so did all magnet schools. Um, so, I do. So, the way that I, um, I I look at that is I control for whether the student is attending uh, one of those not participating charter schools. Um, the first thing that that does is it allows my comparison of the the participating charter schools. It forces it to be uh, compared to students attending traditional public schools. Um, the second thing is that it does is that I, the estimate that I can get for on the, uh, for students attending the non-participating schools, it's not a causal estimate, and I try to be really clear in the paper that it's not a causal estimate of the effect of attending one the, one of those schools. But it's it's more akin to like a uh, a more basic um, uh, you know regression-based estimate of of the effect of attending those schools. Um, and what I find is uh, also a, a, a positive and and large coefficient, so effect of attending one, a relationship between enrolling in one of those schools um, and their outcomes. Now, I don't claim that as having a causal effect for, for pretending the, uh, attending one of those charters, but what it does say to me is that it's very, very unlikely that those schools on average are, are actually very ineffective. Um, so it doesn't seem to be that my result um, for the participating charter schools is driven by um, just the, the most effective charter schools participating. I mean, I'll also say just, you know, qualitatively, and this just comes from talking to people in Newark, I mean, among the non-participating charter schools are some of the schools that people think of as being high-performing. Um, so I, I don't claim that I have a, str- a, a causal estimate attending those schools, but I, I think I can show pretty convincingly that the, the causal estimate I have for the other participating charter schools isn't just positive because of the schools that selected to, to participate. So uh, you mentioned the magnet schools in Newark. Um, a lot of people think that magnet schools uh, could be uh, used just as effectively as charter schools without bringing in all the uh, political uh, baggage that surrounds the charter school question. So have you looked at the magnet schools in Newark? I'd love to, but unfortunately, the data that the, that was provided to that that Newark provided was they, they were unable to provide data um, that would allow me to make that comparison. To, that would allow me to um, as as clearly model um, how students were assigned into magnet schools. Um, so, so unfortunately, it's just something that I I can't look at in the data. So now in Newark today, there's uh, talk about closing down some of the charter schools. 
Um, given your findings, uh, what do you? How do you account for that? Are they? Are these schools not performing, or is is something else driving the uh, the decision making in Newark? Well, so that's an interesting question. I mean, I think that I mean, as far as everything that goes into that decision in Newark, I mean, I think you know, policymakers, you know, uh, take a lot of things into consideration when, when they're making such decisions. Um, as far as how my study speaks to that, um, I think it provides important information about the effectiveness of charter schools, you know, overall in the city, um, and also kind of broken up into these the the different groups of of the type of providers. Um, the schools that they have have kind of flagged for. Uh, for potential closure, um, those schools would would fall either into the non-participating charter schools uh, section of my study or the other participating charter schools. So, um, and unfortunately, it, my study can say the effect of uh, on average of attending one of those other participating charter schools, but I can't get good estimates of those individual schools. So I can't really say whether the ones that they've targeted in that way are very effective or very ineffective. Um, I will say that, I mean, Newark has closed charter schools in the past. I mean, in fact, among um, the, the group of other participating charter schools that are in my, in my study, a few of them were closed for low performance. Um, so, and I, and I think that, you know, finding schools that are ineffective um, and closing them can be, I, I think, is something that, um, that, uh, that is within the rights of, of, of the system. Um, whether that's actually going on here, I think it's, it's unclear with, uh, from, from my analysis. I also think that they've talked about, at least in what I've, I've read in that, they've, they've, they've talked also about the types of students that, that are being served in those schools, so whether they're serving you know, students with disabilities, which is something that I've done research on in other areas, but, but not in Newark specifically. So I need to ask you, what is uh, the reason why Cory Booker did not support these charter schools if, in fact, they have been doing incredibly well uh, on average in, in Newark? What's, what is the uh, – that, that was the question we began with today. Can you give me an answer? I, you know, I don't know that I have a compelling answer for that. I mean, I, my own kind of read on on uh, on Booker was he 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 came out as more cautious about those charter schools as uh, than than I think um, you know uh, seemed to be merited. I mean, even prior to my study, there was some other research suggesting that the charters, uh, you know, not as strongly, but but I do think you know suggesting that there was positive charter school effects. Um, and I and I think it was fair to say that you know his support for them, especially early on in that campaign was weak. Um, I mean, he did, you know, increase his support for them. I mean, not that he wrote in the New York Times, for instance, um, the, you know, over time. How that works into a presidential campaign strategy, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I do think that now this is pretty clear evidence that, on average, the charter schools are effective and and that the the there is a particular type of charter school that's especially effective in Newark. Um, and, you know, I hope that, you know, policymakers there and, and in other places will, will, will keep that in mind as we think about the charter sectors. It, it, in, in addition, because I think my findings are really consistent with what we see um, in similar studies, I'm thinking in particular in, in Boston and Denver. We're now, we're now getting a pretty consistent result um, when we can look at kind of citywide charter systems. Well, you know, one of the uh, find sets of findings that's pretty consistent around the country is that charter schools work well 
when you have a lot of uh, human capital readily available, as you have in Newark in the New York City metropolitan area where there's lots of young people who are eager to uh, bring their talents into the school system if given the opportunity, uh, in other parts of the country where you don't have that uh, clientele so readily available, uh, charter schools don't seem to be, uh, you know, piling up as uh, as uh, exciting a record. So, do you think that's part of the story here? I think it could be. I mean, I think that there's there is now. I mean, I think there's fairly convincing evidence. I mean, not all of it meets the kind of like. Um, you know, true experimental standard, but I think there's there's pretty convincing evidence now that urban charter schools in particular tend to be effective, and then outside of urban areas are less effective. Um, I think you're raising an interesting point that that could be about you know kind of the the labor market and who's available there. I think it could also be another explanation is the comparison group, right? So um, if let's say you have an effective charter school and it's much more effective than is a you know low performing struggling urban school, if you picked up that charter school and put it into a high-performing suburban district, even if it was just as effective, uh, even if it was doing the same thing for those kids, they would look less effective because the comparison group has changed. Um, I think there's some of that going on as well. Um, I also think, and, and I'm looking forward to additional research on this, um, you know, trying to explain trying to explain this, this, this point of why they're more effective in some places than others. Um, I'd be interested to know, you know, more about whether the type of charter schools and the operators of charter schools uh, are different in those areas. So um, I, I don't know this to be true, but my suspicion is, is for example, the you know, Kip and Uncommon and, and other schools that, that uh, operate similarly are more likely to be found in urban areas than they are to be found um, in suburban areas. Um, and, and even within urban areas, we're seeing much larger effects for those types of schools. So, so that could be part of the story as well. Well, thank you very much, uh, Marcus, for joining me on the uh, Education Exchange. Your uh, study is uh, a very exciting, illuminating study on a city that many people across the country have been watching for many years. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I've been speaking with Marcus Winters, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a professor at Boston University. He has just released an evaluation of charter schools in Newark, New Jersey. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time.